0: Real Golf Radio. It's a reroute. Now on the tee. Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Brought to you by Siegfried & Jensen. Protecting the rights of you and your loved ones. It's a reroute on Real Golf Radio.
1: Hey, welcome into the Mountain Land Supply Hour of Real Golf Radio Mountainland Supply. Your turf specialist with rainbird sprinklers, controllers, drip irrigation, and everything you need to irrigate your lawn like the pros. Go to Mountain Land Supply. And uh, thanks for joining us, Brian Taylor, Bob Casper, our number three of the show, President's Cup going on this week, and Lehigh, Utah's own Tony Finau representing red, white, and blue out there down under. Uh, and doing a fantastic job. Actually, Tony's playing really well. I think he got a bad draw, having to pick up Bryson DeChambeau and carrying that guy around who's in the middle of trying to gain some weight and do some workout routines and in the meantime lost his golf game and had to be sat afterwards. And then picking up Kuchar, I, I you know, that's okay. Uh, Kuchar is... is uh, You know, he's a steady Eddie kind of player, but I think Tony needs, I know he's laid back and he's super comfy, Bob, but I want to see Tony get paired with a Tiger Woods, with a Ricky Fowler, with a Justin Thomas. I think one of those guys that has some fire in it will really bring that fire out in Tony and maybe his best stuff.
2: You know, yeah. Like you said, Tony, Tony's a leg back kind of guy, but he is, man, he's a competitor Uh, He's got that fire that burns inside of him. Doesn't doesn't show it all the time. But I I like what you're saying. I I think, you know, you put him with a guy like Ricky Fowler or uh, maybe a Justin Thomas or a Tiger Woods. That kind of I think that will elevate his game. And I think that'll bring out the competitor in him um, and bring him along quite well.
1: Now, at uh, full disclosure, this is before the afternoon pairings have been announced. So, hoping that uh, Tony got the pick to play alternate shot in the afternoon. But uh, should he not go, uh, he'll be ready to go in Sunday singles, which will be Saturday uh, later today here. So, that'll be good stuff. But. Uh, you know, I I think like I said, Tony representing well. Some of the storylines we're going to talk about this hour. And if you're just joining us and you missed the first couple of hours, we've been getting into it all. But uh, some of the big stuff that that obviously has has come about from this, of course, is Patrick Reed playing the way that that he is playing and the controversy that is following him, Um, uh, Tiger Woods is a playing captain and how well he is playing, along with Justin Thomas. The uh, slow start by Team USA and the hot start by the internationals, and they continue that great play. Um, There's there's some really, really good things to discuss about this President's Cup. Royal Melbourne, a terrific venue, Bob, just an outstanding venue canvas for these guys to go out and play and i think present some really cool match play opportunities you'll see some guys that look like they're dead and they're able to make birdie we saw that uh, with um ben on against tony fino and other times you'd be right in the middle in position and ball run out a little more than you think and you got a little slippery downhiller so there's 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 some really tricky pin positions and and green complexes that are challenging these players
2: yeah, it is it is definitely a, a great match play golf course. And it's a golf course that doesn't play long. It's only a little over 7,000 yards and has two par fives. So it's, it's more strategic. Uh, you have to hit uh, point to point more. Um, and it's not a golf course that you can just overpower because, uh, you know, it's – You get yourself out of position, and then you're going to make a bogey or or worse.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, I, for one, have been enjoying this President's Cup. I know it's a little more stressful for you because USA struggled a little more than you'd like. But, look, this thing is uh, a long ways from over. I think it's going to be an exciting uh, final singles round, and we'll see how these guys step up. I think the Americans are are just starting to um, really figure out this golf course and where they can attack. Uh, well, how would you rate Captain Tiger Woods so far, and and, and compare him with Ernie Els and the two captains' uh, approaches and how they how he's been able to ready their teams?
2: Well, I think Ernie Els, it's been pretty interesting because he's really kind of taken control over what what he's having his team focus on. He he sent um, Australians out with each one of the groups in practice rounds. Um, He has told them how to play this golf course and this is how he wants them to play it. And you know what? And they're, they're fired up. They're doing what he said. As far as Tiger Woods is concerned, he's had less time to kind of rein these guys in and get them ready because they had that 26 hour flight and didn't arrive uh, until, you know, Monday morning. So, uh, you know, he's kind of been a little behind the eight ball. So. The
1: only thing he has behind the eight ball is himself. As one of his own players, along with being a Captain Tiger, has played phenomenal. Well, listen, we had a chance to get into all of these storylines with Ryan Balangie from golfnewsnet.com. If you missed it, it was a little bit of an extended interview, and uh, it's awesome. We have the opportunity to bring that for you here in hour number three, brought to you in part by Zions Bank. We haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Here's our conversation with Ryan Balangie. From golfnewsnet.com, Ryan Balangie joining us right now. Hey, Ryan.
3: Hey, guys, you're far too kind, but I appreciate it.
1: Overall President's Cup, just, just from a general standpoint, do you find yourself, like Bob and I were talking, uh, pleasantly surprised that it's at least interesting and intriguing? Or is what, what are your kind of impressions after watching a couple of days?
3: Yeah, I mean, however this winds up, I, I, if the Americans win the next 20 matches in a row, it's still really refreshing to have gone through this uh, and it would be entertaining and competitive. Uh, the internationals are playing great. The Americans, admittedly, aren't playing up to their capability and at least a pretty interesting match. And Ernie Els kind of put it well at the start of the week to his guys. You know, seven rookies, five veterans on a home course. You guys have the chance to pull off a miracle. And right, you know, through 10 matches, it felt like a, the miracle's on. Uh, I, I think that's great for this. I, I think the, the 2015 matches in Korea that were close, We're great for this. 2017 was a big step back because it was practically over on Saturday. But if it can be more like this in 2015 and 2019, the President's Cup has a bright future. And then Royal Melbourne has just been a star. I mean, what a great course to be able to watch on TV. Uh, I would love to be able to play it someday. I'm just salivating watching this this golf. And it's so much different than what we see from week to week on the PGA Tour. I want more of that. Mm. I want more of that for the President's Cup.
2: You know it's interesting. You know you look at the 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 captains. You know, you're looking at Tiger Woods that's that's playing, um, and then you look at Ernie Els that's you know making his way around to each group and that kind of thing. I thought it was pretty interesting. Paul Azinger um, ended up uh, talking about what Ernie Els said and 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 what he, what he's told his team, and he said, okay, this is the way you're going to play. Th- this is the way you're going to play this hole, um, and. Uh, And and, you know, and and they've kind of done exactly what he's asked them to do. They've they've jumped headlong into um, his captaincy, Ernie Els's and uh, and are following him all the way through. And it's it's proving that Ernie Els um, is putting guys together that are good and also um, that that his his uh, game plan uh, for this golf course is really working well.
3: Yeah. I mean, and I have to give credit to Ernie Els who took the mantle from Nick Price. Nick Price worked really hard to try to make his guys competitive and he tried to get the format of this thing changed. So there his guys would have a chance and it set himself up uh, to lose three times, unfortunately, but I, I feel like he represented it well and he passed it off to Ernie Els, a guy who clearly cares. He cares about doing well in this. and I think that's, uh, really important. It, this isn't just a ceremonial thing for him, but for him to come with a game plan and, and basically give these guys the way to play the course that is unlike pretty much anything they see all year or most through most of their careers was important. And he was criticized for deciding to break up some of the, the successful teams in four ball and go with different teams in foursomes. And it looked until about the final 45 minutes of that session, like he was the smartest guy in the world. And he was going to go up like eight and a half to one and a half. Didn't play out that way, but they have the session. It turned out well. It looked good. And I I think now Ernie kind of has to face a choice of of how he wants to potentially try to motivate his team or get them going. He said after the the Friday session, well, Friday there, Thursday here, you know, these guys maybe need to face a little adversity before they get to the end. And and they're going to need to do that early. It's better now than later. I don't know that I believe that. I, uh, if they were up 9-1 to one or 8.5-1.5 uh, through 10 matches, I'm pretty sure they would feel like they got it in the bag, and it would probably be in the bag. But you have to credit for what he's done. Uh, he, he's put the right teams together. He seems to have rallied these guys around somewhat of a common cause and having eight different countries and a bunch of different languages represented, it, it, it seems to be a cohesive unit. That's great.
1: Ryan Balanchy, GolfNewsNet.com, joining us here, talking about the President's Cup at the halfway point. You know, you mentioned Ernie Els. He's just a guy. I, I sit there watching him, and I'm like, I like that guy. You know, I mean, I, I have a hard time not liking Ernie Els. And Nick Price was the same way. You, can, you can't find a nicer guy than Nick Price. And so this is not a commentary on whether the Europeans are nice guys, but maybe we just have enough of a history – where they've just punched us in the nose so many times that they don't seem like nice guys in the Ryder cup, yeah. but in the president's cup, it's like, oh, they're nice guys. Like, Hey, you know what? Hopefully we hope our guys rally. I feel like our guys are going to rally, but you know, I sort of am happy that they're finding some success and Ernie's finding some success. So from a golf fan standpoint, I found it very different than watching a Ryder cup.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I am, in some senses, pulling for the internationals because I think this series needs them to be successful this time around. Uh, But I can't ever imagine myself saying, go Europe, you know, it would be great if they (laughs) won the Ryder cup. Uh, No, I would, I would never find myself doing that. And I I don't know if that part of that is, uh, you know, American arrogance. Oh, we've we've crushed you so many times. Here's this pity victory for you. I don't, I I hope it's not from that place. I don't think it's from that place. I, I think that the people who are, you know, on the American side of the, the equation here that might be hoping for the internationals to win, genuinely want this thing to work out. They genuinely want Ernie L to be successful in this role, want this series to be successful. And at least so far, I think it's been a success. And like I said, even if they come out losers, uh, the internationals do, I I still think that this was a a step forward for this series.
2: For sure. Okay. Okay. So enough of the pleasantries, enough of the, of that talk. Let's talk about uh, (laughs) one of the guys that's on the team. Uh, that uh, that again um, kind of jumped to the forefront last week in the Bahamas. Um, you know, we we saw him do it last year during the Ryder Cup and after the Ryder Cup, and here he is, Patrick Reed, um, after you know the halfway point. Um, you know, poisoning. Poisoning his partner and and uh, zero and two for the for the matches. Patrick Reed.
1: Do you think? Oh wait, I'm going to stop, Bob. Let me just stop you right there because obviously, but Ryan. You know, we're talking about the pleasantries as Bob calls it, but the U.S. does have the villain. You know, there's no you know Ian Poulter villain on the other side. The villain is Patrick Reed for sure in this story, and and, and he's the guy on our team, but. Um, do, do you do you think he's po- – is he a poison right now? I mean, is Webb Simpson suffering because of well, – what I know that's what Bob contends, but do you think Webb Simpson's suffering because of Patrick Reed, the, the the other effects of what he's been doing and what the whole shovel gate?
3: I mean, I think if you look at his last – I think Sean Martin had this staff in the PGA Tour. If you look at Patrick Reed's last 16 matches between the Ryder Cup and President's Cup, he's one in five. Mm. Um, great singles record because he doesn't have to rely on anybody that's his MO in life. He can just play his regular brand of golf and be in his own bubble. And that works for him. But being good for one point out of a potential five is no good in either of those formats. And it seems like both times, you know, the last two years he has created some kind of controversy and then amplified it in some way the week of the event and made it worse. And for the, I, I could not believe the PGA tour, uh, when their social media channels has tried so hard over the last couple of days to start the rehabilitation of Patrick Reed's image after what happened at the hero, you know, from the, the crowd interacting with him, whatever that was. And, you know, the, the shoveling motion, them pointing that out on social media with video as though that was a, some playful thing we should all be happy about. Uh, I'm, I'm very disappointed in that. And I, I think that the Americans, whoever it is moving forward, whether, you know, sugar in 20 for the Ryder cup, Who's going to be in 21, and, and you know, we'll go down the line in both of these sets of matches, but whoever it is, they've got to think long and hard if Reed doesn't make the team on points, whether they want him to be part of that environment. And I think the record at this point is starting to kind of speak for itself that his addition is subtraction, uh, and maybe a subtraction uh, of him being a part of this. you know, if he doesn't qualify, is' an addition to a team. Uh, it's, I feel bad for Webb Simpson, who's gone out there twice with Patrick Reed who basically seems to get stuck with babysitting the most unlikable player on the team whenever he plays, whether that's Bubba or Patrick Reed now. And he he's played some great golf this year, and he's saddled with this guy. and Now he's stuck. Uh, I, I, I feel bad for him. So now you're taking down two guys out of the course of the week on a team where right now there's really like two of them playing good, and they're paired together. That's JT and Tiger. So um, it's, I, I, I just can't imagine a world where you go – Yes, I would love Patrick Reed on my team if I had a choice after what's happened the last couple of years.
2: You know, as, as much as he was liked and, and, and cheered for being Captain America, you know, in his, in his first few opportunities of playing Ryder Cups and President's Cups, it, you know, the last two have really kind of soured me, no doubt about it, in my opinion. Um, and, and I said this to Brian. Tiger should have cut him loose last week. He was a captain's pick. He should have cut him loose and called Kevin Kisner and said, come on.
3: I would have been fine with that. I mean, call Kisner, call Kevin, call Jordan Spieth. I don't care. Just call someone else. And I get that Tiger likes Patrick Reed. And I, I I'm sure that he sees some form of himself in Patrick Reed. Somehow, now there's the only reason he can defend the guy. But I just don't, I don't see the benefit of him being a part of it. Uh, I, what is it? at this point, he's adding nothing, just taking away, and I, I just can't support I, I can't support him being part of the team. I know he when he was successful, he was our jerk, like you know he's, he's on our team, but he's our jerk. We're going to root for him. Now he's just a jerk and he's not helping anything. So why is he there?
1: I love it. Ryan Balangi joining us here. All right, <laughs> so what what does the PGA Tour do if anything? This is what I was asking uh, yesterday uh on social media. Does the PGA Tour address the whole fact that he cheated? I mean, or or is it is it just golf? You cheated, you got a penalty for it and you move on. But to me this feels more egregious and I'm with you. Mocking the whole digging thing to me is it's it, it's 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 Cringeworthy is the word that keeps getting put out there, but it is, it's not funny. It doesn't, it's not playful. It's not like you messed up and you're making fun of yourself. It's not, it's none of that. It is you blatantly cheated and then tried yeah. to cover it up. And then the PGA tour PR is trying to help you cover it up and blow it off. And to me that it, that, that stinks. Like that's, there's something wrong with that.
2: I,
3: I completely agree with you. And every opportunity Reed has had to read the room and show some sense of remorse or understanding of what it is that he did, or even if he doesn't believe that he cheated, what almost everybody else thinks he did. Uh, he has failed. I mean, in the news conference, he said, well, I'm not a cheater because I didn't intentionally move the sand." Even if he's lying through his teeth, which he is, that's not the thing to say. And then he goes on and says, well, if I were cheating, I would have made my lie even better. And I would have hit the shot closer again, not, not the right thing to say there, not, not the way to respond. Arrogant. And then you come out with the shovel thing and, and the, combine that with the way the PGA Tour is trying to, I don't know about sweep it under the rug, but move on as quickly as humanly possible. Uh, I, I just think it stinks. It looks bad. It makes the tour look bad. And this isn't the first time this year, by the way, where the, or recent memory, where the tour has gone on social media and tried to erase the record or move it or change it, or move on from a subject for a guy that didn't want it. I mean, several times this year, they would tweet out a video, of bad shots players hit, John Rahm of the Players comes to mind, and then they would complain, and before you knew it, that video was gone and erased from the record. And I, I just feel like the, the PGA Tour's willingness to bend its message or messaging for a certain player and their whims is, is just not okay.
1: It's hard though. I mean, squarely the PGA tour is in a tough spot where he's on this team. This is the PGA tours, you know, Baby. event, right? So yep. this yep. is their Ryder cup, if you will. And so they, they want to try to make it as happy as possible. And that kind of leads us to the next thing where all of a sudden this little story comes out that you retweeted and brought to light. And I haven't seen it anywhere else, Ryan, that they've actually staged fans, <laughs> American fans out there that aren't even American fans to try to make the event look better on TV. And uh, okay, at the end of the day, it's all show business, man. I mean, I get it. We're all we're all in show business, but it that that's a little again, it's a little contrived, I guess. And we've always said the President's Cup is a little contrived, trying to be what it what the Ryder Cup has become organically, and and yet it here it, it, this this story I don't think helps that either.
3: Yeah, Shane Ryan's on the ground in Melbourne for Golf Digest, Golf World, and he tweeted this insane thread of trying to talk to the supposed American fans that were supposedly kind of keeping things even-handed or, or not as uh, not as nasty to Patrick Reed during his first match on Thursday. And then all of a sudden, Shane Ryan figures out that the, fan, the supposed American fans have Aussie accents and they're actually paid fans who are just there to look like they're Americans and cheer for them and try to keep things in order, I suppose. And then he later finds another group uh, who uh, appear to be American fans. And I I guess some of them were of Asian descent, figured, hey, that's that's cool. They made the trip to the United States or whatever. And none of them spoke English. So they had no idea what, um, what Shane Ryan was trying to say to them about being American fans. I I think that's really (laughs) strange. That's really weird. Obviously that wouldn't happen in the Ryder cup. There's no need for it. And I, I don't know if it's, um, you know, part of some grand strategy by the PGA Tour. I mean, there's no point paying like 50 people to be fans when it seems like the crowds are otherwise great yeah. at Royal Melbourne. Yeah. So I, I don't understand this whatsoever, and I, I would love to hear more about it. I hope Shane digs more into it.
2: You know, another thing I have uh, I have a bone to pick with uh, regarding the PGA Tour is the scheduling of this event the the week after the Bahamas. I mean, to have these guys fly all the way across the world, not have an opportunity to – basically uh, get their sea legs underneath them uh, also, or, or, or their, yeah. And, and also, you know, play the golf course. This is a golf course that you have to have some, some work in on. Um, And, and, you know, when you're, when you've got a, you know, a, a hangover because of a long flight and you've got to play on Tuesday and everybody's dragging and then play a a little bit on Wednesday and start the matches on Thursday. I, I I just think that, uh, you know, for some reason, Uh, The PGA tour scheduling this after um, Tiger's event or, you know, having Tiger's event where it falls and that kind of thing. I I, I see it extremely difficult for uh, the U.S. team. Yeah, I think
3: it was a mistake to schedule it this way. And I realize Tiger's event is important to his foundation. And maybe there was some conditioning of Tiger being captain on having that event still as a lead in or, or around the president's cup so that it could have as deep of a field as it typically does. But again, I, you had 11 of the 12 Americans on your team in that field. And right now, only two of them are really playing worth a darn. And I, I just, I can't understand why you would make that choice. If you're Tiger, if, you, if you're really that concerned uh, about the American team winning, why you would put them in a position to give them effectively less than 20, less than 48 hours, to, like you said, get your seed legs, get over the time change, do what you can. Not everyone's priced into Shambo and can figure their brain out to be on Melbourne 16 hours ahead. Uh, Thank God for him because he's on the bench. But um, (laughs) I just think that was a big logistical mistake and it set your team up to not be successful. And and I'm I'm not certain of this, but I would imagine Ernie Els probably used that as motivation, that they think so little of you guys that they ran a tournament, a boondoggle tournament with free world ranking points without you, and they came here and they're just going to fly in and think they're going to destroy you. You show them differently. I'm I'm sure that had to feel disrespectful to those guys in the international.
1: No doubt about it. Brian Ballinger, golfnewsnet.com, joining us here. All right, let's uh, let's let's end with one of my other side stories, favorite side stories this week, and that, of course, is Phil Mickelson. I mean, the guy is a beaut, isn't he? I mean, the the, the video that he posted with him in the, in the full red, white, and blue, drinking out eat? of the President's Cup, you know, with his wife and his wife's commentary, someone has a serious case of FOMO. I I just I mean what what a that guy but 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 seriously uh, along with that him missing his first cup you know president's cup and uh, or any cup uh, for that matter uh, what what's your yeah. what's your take on Phil and and what do you expect out of him in twenty twenty
3: I, I I go back to the old Ford commercials of what will Phil do next right. from the, what the two thousand four two thousand five era where. I, I don't know. I mean, he seems to be going at times through a total midlife crisis with the, the whole bombs thing of trying to drive it as far as he can because he you know he's not going to put it in the fairway. Um, that, that seems very strange to deciding all of a sudden he's going to take a seven-figure payday and go play in Saudi Arabia after playing 30, con- you know, not 30 consecutive, but 30 times at the Phoenix Open uh, and the weird excuses around that. I, I don't know where he is. And then to show up in American onesie, I mean, the guy's I have, I have, whatever you think of him, I have to give him credit for being damn entertaining on social media.
2: Uh, he
3: livens things up. Yeah. So, I mean, at a minimum, at least, and, and then you have to add in, he is now the host of the American express, the Palm Springs tournament. Mm-hmm. He is the official tournament host. Yeah. So while he said in one breath on Twitter, you know, this might've been my last chance to play the Phoenix open. He's the host of the Amex, so I assume he's going to play that at least moving forward. And I don't know what's going to come, become of him, but he has won in consecutive seasons, and that is something to speak of for a guy that's nearly 50 years old. So one big mystery, and if nothing else, that keeps him fresh and entertaining.
2: <laughs> you know, the, the, answer, the other interesting thing is Phil's won 32.5 total points um, in this President's Cup format. Tiger just tied him uh, this mm-hmm. week. Uh, with 26.5 points. Um, thoughts on that?
3: Well, I mean, these guys were the ones that basically made this a thing. I mean, they're, between Tiger and Phil, and, and Jim Furyk, I believe, is number three in, in total points all time on the total list, and then Ernie, I think, is four. So, I mean, you look at those guys, and they were a part of this thing for basically 25 years. I mean, Tiger still is. Uh, he wasn't there at the beginning in 94, 96, but came along later. and so. they're the kind of the chronicle of this event so far and for Phil to now kind of drop off and Furyk obviously drop off. Father time remains undefeated. It'll be interesting to see how generation two from the American side starts to take shape. And if those guys will be, as dominating and as successful as Tiger and Phil and Jim Fierk were.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, Rye, we thank you for taking some time to join us, man. It's always good to visit with you. And it's been a fun year. I I think 2019, I said this uh, to uh, Jeff Babina who joined us last week, as we kind of looked back on the year. I think 2019 is going to go down as one of my favorites. I mean, there was a lot of – obviously, Tigers starting things off in at the Masters with uh, number 15 and then getting win 82. I mean, there's a lot of big stuff that happened this year, but Brooks doing his thing and then the young guys up and coming, you know, the, the Morikawas and Wolves and stuff like that. It's just been – this has been a, a fun year in golf, in my opinion, and I'm looking forward to seeing what 2020
3: has, huh? Yeah, I'm there with you. I mean, nothing's going to really top uh... – you know, Tiger at the masters, unless he wins the 2020 masters, I suppose. But, um, we've got a lot to look forward to next year between Brooks and Rory at the top of the world ranking tiger. Rom seems to be stepping into his own, all the, uh, the trio of young guys. I mean, Hoplin doesn't have a win yet, but that seems inevitable. And we got a Ryder cup here next year. So there's a lot to look forward to. Yeah,
1: no doubt. Whistling straights. That'll be a good one too. Um, could be really cold. <laughs> You never know. You never know by the time they <laughs> well, get to it's it. It's going to be in September. <clears throat> That's true. September still should be okay. That's true. I'm getting my dates wrong there. but yeah. All right, Rye, thanks so much, man. We appreciate it. Happy holidays to you and your family, and we'll catch up to you in the new year. huh? Thanks, guys. Happy holidays. Appreciate it as always. All right, that was Ryan Ballingy uh, joining us. Hope you enjoyed that. I thought he brought up some great points. We'll continue to discuss that and get a little bit of a counterpoint from the caddy Patrick Reed. Stay tuned. That's all coming up next as Real Golf Radio continues. Brought to you by Siegfried & Jensen, 801-222-2222. Happy holidays, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Real Golf Radio. sure nothing gets between you and your life focus. It's one of those moments you'll always remember.
5: The first tee can teach young people how to hit a driver or how to stop a ball out of a bunker. but true success is measured by how well they perform off the golf course, by how well they use values like confidence, Kyla. perseverance, and integrity okay. in their daily lives. The first tee helps young men and women become better golfers. But even more important, better
2: people.
0: Come
2: on, get involved. Visit thefirsty.org. Temperatures are dropping, and you know what that means. Frozen pipes, busted sprinklers, and worse, turn to the experts at Mountainland Supply to get you the right products for your yard that will last this time. Mountainland Supply is an exclusive Rainbow Golf distributor in Utah. That means the golf pros and superintendents. Trust Mountainland Supply and Rainbird for their sprinklers, controllers, pipe, and everything they need to irrigate their golf courses. Shop where the pros shop. Go to mountainlandsupply.com to find the location nearest to you.
6: Whether you're a casual golfer or an avid golfer, let you into Golf help you fill your wish list with the season's best deals in golf. Featuring special holiday offers from Titleist. Save on Titleist Pro V1, Pro V1X, and AVX golf balls for only 39 dollars a dozen. And save $30 on Titleist Vokey SM7 wedges for only $119.99. And while you're there, register to win free golf balls for a year. You into golf offers an exclusive 90-day satisfaction guarantee. You into golf, helping golfers' holiday dreams come true since 1971.
0: It's a Reround on Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper.
1: All right, welcome back to the show. Brian and Bob with you here in the Mountain Land Supply Hour of Real Golf Radio, hour number three every Saturday morning, 6 to 9, right here on 1280 The Zone, brought to you in part by Hoops Vision. Now is the time to get in and schedule an appointment to get your LASIK procedure with our good friends at Hoops Vision. Nobody does it better. The latest technology, and you mentioned Real Golf Radio during your free consultation, and save $1,000 on your LASIK procedure. See them today at hoopsvision.com. We had a chance to catch up and continue this conversation with America's favorite caddy.
0: There are bag rats, <laughs> and then there are caddies.
4: Baby.
0: Pro jocks who are legends in caddyshacks shacks across the PGA Tour. While well, we can neither confirm nor deny the existence of this legendary looper, here he is, the caddy on Real Golf Radio. Caddy
1: joins us weekly right here on Real Golf Radio. Caddy, how are you, man?
5: Well, it's cold and gray. Rainy here in Washington, D.C., which happens all winter. Mm. So, Caddy's feeling a little down, kind of like the international team is after the last four holes yesterday. At the halfway
1: point, it certainly was a big turnaround, no doubt about it. This event needed a little shot in the arm. I thought what Ernie Els did and the way he brought his players out uh, and the way they responded that – they they came out firing, and I think it added to it. And then it forced guys like Justin Thomas and Patrick Cantlay. It gave them the opportunity and forced them, really, into making serious putts, big-time putts, uh, you know, to coming down the stretch. They're on the last hole to be able to get those points. And I think that's set up for a great weekend. I, it, it, is, it has caught my attention. I think people are tuning in and looking forward to seeing what happens. Of course, uh, hopefully it remains close going through uh, the entire weekend.
5: I
2: think it was all Patrick Reed changed wow. everything. Uh, you, you know, and we even mentioned this earlier in the show. But yeah, I think so. I think uh, you know, with with the things that happened last week, with the things that happened last year at the during the Ryder Cup and after the Ryder Cup. Um, yeah, it's. I, I think it. I think it has changed things. And uh, something I said to Brian. Was that you know? After what happened last week, maybe he should have been cut loose, and they should have grabbed Kevin Kisner.
5: Well, the, you know, there's that old saying, I, I guess, in Hollywood that no publicity is bad publicity, and the bottom line is, is it it really put the spotlight on the on the president's stuff. Um, that that's the bottom line. It, it made everybody pay a lot more attention to it, or than than I think. Uh, would be normal. So then, of course, you had a lot of great things happen with the matches. And the way that the first day when, I mean, who would have ever thought four to one internationals after the first day? No chance, right? I mean, this yeah. was this was something that couldn't happen. That It's like Bernhard Langer said one time when he was the coach of the Ryder Cup, he held up a piece of paper and said, on paper, we can't beat the United States. Good thing we're playing on grass.
1: Uh, and Ernie's used that quote. Yeah, I've heard several he of the international players use that quote this week. Hey, we're not playing these matches on paper. We're playing them on grass. So I think Ernie's done a great job. Let, let let me go back. There's there's so many things to talk about. Let's break it in. Let's segment it a little bit. Let's first start with Patrick Reed and the reason for the the issue here. And that's what he did in the bunker in the Bahamas last week. In what was that? First of all, was he cheating?
5: I can either confirm or deny. The, yeah. Well, here's the thing. So, <laughs> cheating cheating requires um, an intent to break the rule. Right. You can you can break a rule and not cheat. You can break a rule and cheat. Or cheat and break a rule. So you have to look at this. Look at that situation and say, Do I believe strongly? that he did that on purpose and knew that that wasn't the right, that wasn't okay. So that's what defines cheating. So I'm really, I'm always going to be reluctant to tell another person what they're thinking. But when just about everybody I've spoken to and myself, when I saw that initially, the very first time I was like, Whoa, what the heck was that? And I think the thing that made it worse was when he had done it before in the same manner. Sure. Even at the same off course. So people have been through this all up and down and all over the place. Patrick's being very adamant that he, you know, he didn't cheat. Um, so I don't, you know, it's a tough, it's a, it's a really tough thing that to come out and say what Cameron Smith said. Um, I think a lot of people do feel like that. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about this. A lot of people feel like that. Um, I think, um, yeah, I'd be surprised. The way it's not cheating is if um, he either doesn't know the rule, which is pretty unlikely, or he doesn't feel that that improves his line of play, which is hard to understand. So, You know, I think I fairly well described. Caddy is in
1: Washington D.C. and he's being very political right now, Bob. Yes, he is. I I mean, really political.
5: He's bouncing. I grew up in D.C. What do you What do you expect from me? You you just gave us a
1: non-answer answer. answer. That is perfect. (laughs) A non-answer answer answer from the caddy.
5: I can either confirm exactly. See, there you go. Bottom line is, is he 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 improved his lie. Let me tell you why this is a big deal. Um. You, you're familiar with the Tiger Woods fall on the fringe story at Pebble Beach with the USGA and the U.S. Open in 2000?
2: No, tell us.
5: Okay, I'll do the story really quickly. Now, this was relayed to me by the USGA. And so whether I still have the facts right, bottom line is, is a second shot at 18, I believe it was Friday, it might have been Saturday, came to rest on the, right on the collar on the green, ball's on the green, but it was clearly pinned right against the collar. And then when Tiger was putting, you could clearly see it was two inches off the collar. So the collar wasn't going to be away. And they thought, oh, my goodness, did he fudge his mark, this or that? So they actually brought him in, I guess, the next morning to review some videotape. And I guess Tiger's looking at it saying, listen, I know that looks bad, but I marked it right where it is. He says, yeah, I've got eyeballs all over me all the time. I'm really careful about marking the ball. And it was two inches on the green. And so now they didn't know what to do. I mean, you can't, you know, are we going to now disqualify a guy with a 12-shot lead? What's going to happen? They ended up getting some footage from somebody else who had a camera at a 90-degree angle, local station or something. And it showed that the ball had actually come down, hit the fringe, and bounced back off exactly where Tiger said it had been. But they didn't know that until they got another camera angle. And that's that's what Patrick Reed's talking about.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, that that's that's a ball at rest from a camera angle. This is showing sand, you know, <clears throat> literally getting moved out of the way. You can see sand away, flying. Yeah. There's no there's no camera angle. Sand
5: is moving. I totally understand. I mean, I'm I'm with you on that. It looks it looks like it's impossible to say. Now, I'm going to say quote unquote, it looks like it's impossible to say because this is the point I'm making with the Tiger Woods Pebble Beach story is that it's clearly showing this on video until you happen to see it doesn't. (laughs) So there's, there's always, you know, this is another Washington DC method that I'm employing here, but, um, video is not 100% conclusive. Um, it's hard to imagine that it looks like he put the ball, the club right behind the ball. And when he whipped it back, it whipped the out from behind the ball, clearly improving the line of play. That's, what it looks like—it's—it's it's impossible to say. It doesn't look like that. Patrick was pretty adamant saying, "We need another angle because it wasn't that close to the ball." So it, while it seems right off the cuff, oh, that's ridiculous! How can he say that? Da da, da, da. I'm just giving you another example of something—you know—something ex- you know, something like that where when you saw the other angle from another camera, it was clearly wow. We did get it wrong on the first angle. So that stuff exists. Right. So
1: and now, you're so actually let it, convincing me. By the way, you sound very convincing. Go ahead, Bob.
2: So I was going to say, how does, you know, this is this is deemed a waste area that he was in. Um, how yeah. is this any different than what Stuart Sink did at at the Heritage, the RBC Classic back in 2004 when he went down there and he moved uh, the sand away from the back of the ball with his finger,
1: made a trough. Yeah, that was. I yeah. thought the same thing, Bob.
5: Yeah. So the key is, uh, the key is, uh, it's not sand. That's that's an important designation. In in the stewart Sink bunker, it wasn't sand; it was crushed stone. I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> but I am in D.C., the home of all the attorneys <laughs> in the world, and so we're getting we're getting we're getting legal now. So here's the interesting thing: you're allowed to go into a bunker right now and pick out stones and things like that. Yes, but, yes yeah. Uh, you didn't used to be able to do, now you are. However, you can't improve your lie or your line of play. Isn't picking a stone out of there, like improving your lie and your line of play? Well, it is because it's not, when you move a loose impediment, it's not improving your line of play. So the question is Did Stuart think was moving loose impediments. Was that all he was doing or did he improve his line of play? Now, That's another one when you look at it, you look at that and go, well, it's like you just wiped your finger behind your ball and now it's speed up and we're ready to go. Yeah. That looks really really bad. Um, I don't think legally he did anything wrong there um, because I think he was moving loose impediments. And by definition, moving loose impediments, even though it looks like it improves your line of play, it doesn't actually fit the definition because a loose impediment being moved doesn't it's a different situation. It's kind of the same thing. People right now are happy. I didn't go to law school and become a lawyer. Um, and and now people are hating attorneys because this is what attorneys do. They get, they delve deep into stuff like this and it drives everybody crazy because common sense is telling everybody the same thing in both of these situations. Right. Um, no, me, I'm me, totally
1: confused. let me, let me, let me jump in real quick. Okay. Since you're totally confused yourself. And by the way, I thought it was a pretty good argument. He comes out and in that second day, he does the shovel move. He tries to make fun of himself a little bit, play to the crowd after somebody yelled miss, after he putted a short putt and made it. Then he cupped his ear and then he did the shovel move and tried. He was trying to play it off. And, and yet it's, it's not one of those things that where you oh you did something silly and so you're trying to play it off and you know um look uh, yeah I'm really like, like Michael Scott falling into the koi pond I mean it's this is not like oh I can't believe I fell into the koi pond you know as and try to try to minimize the situation this is like it feels an, like an egregious situation where he is literally improving his lie that's something that is the, right at the core of the game and so it, it doesn't feel like it's the thing that you make fun of and try to play up to the crowd to get to like you. Oh, look at Patrick. He's playing. He's fun. He's a fun guy. Yeah, he didn't cheat. He's fun. You know, I mean to me that's that, that that's the difference here. And so I, I I didn't I guess I didn't like that. I didn't think it was appropriate.
5: No, I, I don't think anybody's gonna say that was the the best thing to do. Um maybe you'd have to look at that and say You don't really understand this, do you? I think. I mean, what other conclusion can you come to there?
1: So should the tour address this at some point? I get it. They don't want to address it right now on this big event. But do they need to address it?
5: I don't know. I I don't know if they need to address it more than it's kind of been addressed now. I think um, it's really, look, one thing that um, was said on Morning Drive, which I think is very accurate, is, most of most of this situation has been um, or a lot of the situation a lot of the problems with this situation have been with Patrick's reaction to it yes and Patrick comments on it so it's it's kind of a self-imposed thing and the shovel was certainly shoveling more dirt on it right <laughs> i mean uh, yeah I, I should have come up with a better pun right there, but it was, uh, it They've was certainly digging, it. digging yourself more of a hole, um, by doing that, so to speak. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's kind of hard to, to not say, yeah, that that's kind of the case. I mean, mm. could you have handled it better? Yeah. Here's how you could have handled it better, but Patrick's fighting a He's fighting a tough battle because he has a past history and, uh, Justified or not, a past history is a past history. People have certain preconceived ideas. People have read things. Some people might be completely in his corner. Some people might be completely against him. Never even met him in their life. I can tell you, I've had a couple, maybe, maybe a couple thirty-minute conversations with Patrick. He's emailed me a few times about some things we do. Uh, could not be. More positive. All my personal interactions with him. Hundred percent as good as anybody I've ever dealt with on anything, completely respectful, thoughtful, smart guy. Couldn't say more positive things from my personal interactions with him. That's that's my experience.
2: But get him between the ropes. Uh, And what
5: happens? But it doesn't yeah, it doesn't change what you saw and your first instinct to seeing it you know i had a very negative in- I'm, my first thought that went through my head when i saw that was ooh that is bad right a lot of a lot of guys said that that's what a lot of guys said was ooh that didn't look good um and, and i felt the same way so it's a, it's a difficult situation but but patrick has a lot of control over it um and i think i think it hasn't been con- you know i think I think he could have done things a little differently, uh, reacting to it and all this and that, um, and had a lot better outcome to this point. So, I think I think in a lot of ways he can, you know, he he can control some of his destiny going forward from here. But um, you know, right now it's it's damaged a bit.
1: Well, good comments, Caddy. And you know what? I, I, I can appreciate the angle you in giving him somewhat the benefit of the doubt on that, and I, I think that's uh, appropriate as well. So I like it. You brought a different angle to it, and uh, really, really appreciate the comments. We're out of time, but good stuff, man. Enjoy the weekend here at the President's Cup, huh? Thanks, gentlemen. All right, that was the caddy who joined us earlier in hour number two, brought to you in part by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. They've got all the holiday gifts you need for the golfer in your life. See you one of their locations up and down the Wasatch Front or online at uintagolf.com, home of the 90-day 100% satisfaction guarantee. That's going to do it for us. Really appreciate Dave Glauser, our producer, who does a fantastic job. President's Cup action continuing today. Sunday singles, Saturday our time frame. And anxious to see how this one plays out. Hopefully, Bob, this is one where the U.S. does what it needs to do. Certainly, as you as we've talked a lot about in the caddy mentioned. on paper they should win it, but they're playing this thing on grass. Some pretty cool grass there at Royal Melbourne.
2: Yeah. You know, it's 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 a thing that they're going to have to continue to get better and better and better. And hopefully in singles they can uh, they can prove why they're the better team, not only on paper, but on grass because of, you know, how they're ranked in the world. So um, this will be uh, kind of fun to see what happens. And and uh, hopefully the U.S is able to pull out a win.
1: Well, the, the seeing how it all plays out, there's going to be a lot to discuss and a lot to break down. We'll do all of that coming up next week on the show as we near the end of 2019. Thanks to Dave Glauser, our producer. Also, thanks to our great sponsors for sponsoring the show. I uh, want to thank uh, Mountain Land Supply, this third hour presented by Mountain Land Supply. Of course, you can uh, check out mountainlandsupply.com. They still have some holiday lighting. I know we're approaching the end, but if you're kind of one of those last-minute guys, get to mountainlandsupply.com to find the location, nearest you. All right. uh, Again, thanks to Dave Glauser producing for Bob Casper. I'm Brian Taylor. We appreciate you joining us. We'll see you next week and break down this president's cup right here on 1280 The Zone. You might know Mountainland Supply for its turf irrigation products and design services, but did you know that Mountainland Supply also carries holiday lighting? As the temperatures drop and the clubs go in the closet and your spouse says, it's time to get the holiday lights up, think Mountainland Supply. They can help you design and calculate the exact feet of strands that you need to make your home sparkle this year. Using smartphone technology, you can control thousands and thousands of color options with the push of a button. For all your holiday lighting, go to mountainlandsupply.com to find the location nearest you. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoop's Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts, no more solution, no more glasses. Instantly, I could see. It was so easy
6: Whether you're a casual golfer or an avid golfer, let you into golf help you fill your wish list with the season's best deals in golf, featuring special holiday offers from Titleist. Save on Titleist Pro V1, Pro V1X, and AVX golf balls for only thirty-nine point ninety-nine a dozen, and save thirty dollars on Titleist Vokey SM7 wedges for only $119.99. And while you're there, register to win free golf balls for a year. You into golf offers an exclusive ninety-day satisfaction guarantee. You into golf, helping golfers' holiday dreams come true since nineteen seventy-one.
0: It's a Reround on Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. All right, and welcome back to the show, Brian and
1: Bob. Been fun talking Presidents Cup, but this is going to be a good finish, Bob. I know we're we're a little bit behind here, and uh, hopefully, day number three, Saturday over there, which was you know going on Sunday morning now as this is being aired, is is they kept things close. But you know, so far through the halfway point, this has been exciting stuff to watch. I, I like it so far.
2: Yeah, it has. It's been really fun to watch. I wanted to make note about Tiger Woods and and his play. He's played some phenomenal golf. It's pretty interesting to see how they switch things around when he's playing as to when he's, you know, taking over the reins as the captain and how the vice captains have really stepped in and, and helped him through the process while he's while he's playing. But Tiger Woods, by virtue of winning those two matches, again, has um, has won twenty six. Uh, matches now in the President's Cup tying Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson still leads on points one at 32.5, Tiger Woods at 26.5. So um, it'll be great to see um, if Tiger can uh, then take the lead as far as matches one over these next couple of days.
1: Yeah, I expect that will happen uh, for sure. But yeah, Tiger's done a fantastic job. Obviously, he's playing some great golf. I can't wait to watch him in 2020. That'll do it for us. For Dave Blouser, Bob Casper, and Brian Taylor. Thanks for listening to Real Golf Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Brian and Bob on Real Golf Radio. Join us on Twitter at Real Golf or on our website at realgolfradio.com. It's been real.